0: And on Wednesday mornings, we'd like talking to the lawyers from upstairs here at 720 Main Street, Willimantic, from the Prue Law Group. Mm-hmm. And we have a program called Legalese covering all aspects of the law because, you see, the Prue Law Group covers all aspects of the law. And we are delighted this morning to be joined by attorney Evelina Ruskowski to talk about probate. And as we've been doing in 2020 We've had so many things to talk about with these various topics of the law. We do a part one, and we do a part two. So part one is coming up today, and part two will be coming up a couple of weeks from today. Evelina, good morning. Thanks for coming in for today. Good
1: morning. Thank you for having me.
0: So we've done a lot of shows with you on personal injury cases, but let's talk probate this morning. And for starters, what's probate?
1: Well, it's funny. Everyone usually asks me, like, what is actually probate? And I try to make it as simple as possible, but it's literally just the process of transferring ownership of a decedent that has anything that is just in their name, solely owned, um, and transferring that ownership of that asset, house, whatever it could be, to uh, either a beneficiary under the will or an heir, if there's no will, that's all it is. It's a process. So the court will ultimately, you know, issue a decree um, and basically, you know, give the distributions. That yes, now this house goes to my children or something like that. But it's li- literally just a process.
0: Does every estate eventually go through probate?
1: No. Um, So that's the whole point. You know, sometimes you don't have to go to probate depending on how your um, assets are, I guess you could say, categorized. So um, what you probate is solely owned assets, and that is something that is just in someone's name. So that does not include um, uh, joint accounts. Um, does not include survivorships, does not include uh, payable on death, uh, does not d- include beneficiary uh, designations. So <clears throat> a lot of people ask me, like, well, you know, I have a bank account with my mom uh, and I'm a co-owner. Well, guess what? That technically does not have to go through probate. Um, so if, you know, a decedent had everything that was joint. LITERALLY. EVERYTHING THAT WAS JOINT. YOU you MIGHT NOT HAVE TO GO THROUGH PROBATE. Um, YOU KNOW, WE CAN TALK ABOUT IT LATER. SOMETIMES IT'S GOOD TO GO THROUGH PROBATE. Um, BUT FOR THE MOST PART, um, YOU KNOW, IF EVERYTHING IS JOINT, YOU KNOW, YOU WON'T HAVE
0: TO. All right, SO HOW DO YOU OPEN AT A STATE?
1: Um, just like with anything else, you've got to file an application, go to court. Uh, but usually, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, I like always, you know, people call me, you know, and if especially like parents passed away, I think first things first is take care of, you know, what you have to take care of because um, sometimes people call and they kind of panic. Uh, they hurt, you know, they hear that within uh, th- uh, 30 days of, you know, someone passing, they have to file. There is a statute that you ultimately have to submit a will within 30 days. No one is really you know, heart set on that. Um, so, you know, go through the grieving passes, do the funeral, do everything that you need to do ultimately. Um, and then I would definitely suggest, you know, just meeting with an attorney, Cl- of course us, but, you know, it can be anyone, but it's, it's going through the, you know, kind of going through everything that you might know about, you know, you know, the person who has passed away, what kind of accounts they have, what is the best way um, um, to go through it, because like I said, sometimes you might want to go through probate to step up a basis, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but you know, an attorney will definitely help you guide that. Uh, But the first things first is you know, meeting with an attorney and filing an application. Um, And uh, you know, you can file an application with there is a will or there isn't a will, because there's two different ways that it can go.
0: You indicated there's no rush to open an estate, but is there a time deadline? You have to open it by a certain date.
1: No, no, no. Um, There is no deadline. Like I said, there is a statute. So if someone, you know, if someone wants wants, let's say an heir wants a will and you don't and um, you don't want to submit it, technically they can go to probate and. Say, hey, there's a statue within 30 days you were sup- supposed to submit a will. So clearly, but no, because sometimes you might not even know that there is a solely owned asset. Um, I had situations where everything, for the most part, was joint, okay. Um, and let's say the house was in survivorship, okay, it was husband and wife, and the husband doesn't think anything of it. It says, you know, uh, Jane Doe, John Doe with rights of survivorship. So, what that means is that when Jane Doe dies, John Doe gets everything outright. However, in the state of Connecticut, you actually do have to go through prob- probate in a sense where you have to take Jane Doe's name off the deed. The only way if by, you know, down in life you ever want to sell that. So you go through everything, you know, you're living your life and all of a sudden, you know, um, John Doe's like, I want to sell my house. I don't want this big house anymore, it reminds me of my wife. And he wants to sell it, and guess what? He can't because he needs to go through the probate in a sense, which is a TPO, tax purposes only, to get his wife's name off. Um, um, and that could be one, two, three years down the line from when you know, the wife passed away. So there's no, there's no hard set deadline.
0: What happens if John Doe passes away and doesn't leave a will? Then does Jane Doe still get all that stuff?
1: Uh, yes, if, if on the title of the house, if it's rights of survivorship. So those are the, like, little things that, you know, I think everyday people might not know what it means. Um, um, you know, that's why I think it's always best to meet with an attorney just to kind of go through designations, you know, what they had in assets, um, you know, to kind of, you know, they can help you. Should you go through probate? Do you have to go through probate? What Do you need to report what you don't need to report, all that, yeah.
0: So when somebody dies and you're opening an estate, who receives the notice and gets involved?
1: So um, when, do you, when we do the application, clearly we basically, on the application state, you know, is there a will, is there not a will? Um, if there, um and on the application, you have to list the heirs, which are under the laws of intestacy. So who would be the heirs if there was no will? So clearly, if a, you know, if a husband dies, then there's a spouse and the children. Um, YOU KNOW, THEN IT GOES DOWN THE LINE, IF THERE'S NO SPOUSE, THEN THE CHILDREN. THEN DO THE CHILDREN HAVE CHILDREN? SO IT JUST GOES DOWN LIKE uh, ALL THROUGH ALL THE YEARS. IT PRETTY MUCH STOPS AT, um, YOU KNOW, IF THERE'S PARENTS. BECAUSE IT, YOU KNOW, IT CAN GO ALL THE WAY FROM, YOU KNOW, SPOUSE, CHILDREN, uh, CHILDREN uh, of, OF THE, the, the CHILDREN, uh, SISTERS, BROTHERS, PARENTS. IT CAN GO THAT FAR. It doesn't always, but it can go that far under the ears, And then there's a section of listing beneficiaries under the well. So whoever is named in the well also gets notice. So it's all the ears and the people who are named in the well.
0: Well, you seem to indicate going down the family tree. Mm-hmm. What about going up the family tree? You know, some 35-year-old gets hit by a car, but wisely, in their will, they had their parents or aunts and uncles, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They're notified as well, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it, it, so parents would be notified. So exactly. So it really, you know, um, I do have an estate where um, you know uh, a young person passed away. You know, there's no spouse, there's no children, so ultimately it's the parents. Um, you know, um, it stops at the parents, but it would be also brothers and sisters if there were if there were any. Uh, but it really depends on where it stops on the family tree of. Ears who needs to get notified,
0: and on that notification list, what about people who are specifically written out of the will?
1: If they're written out of the will, yes, they will get notice. So if wh- whoever is mentioned in the will will get notice, okay? Because even if you're written out, you you know that person has uh, you know, needs the time to see if they want to challenge the will. Okay, so that's why we do the application. We do the application like, uh, so here is, um, let's say, Jane Smith. She's going to be the, either the administrator or the executor of the estate. And the difference between administrator and executor quickly is administrator is appointed when there is no will an executor is appointed when there is a will. So that's that's the only main difference.
0: You say appointed, isn't that already laid out in the will?
1: It's laid out, well if there's a will, it's laid out that that's what the person wants, the decedent wants, but it doesn't mean that's always going to happen. Um, sometimes the, the they can decline if they don't want to do it. Um, so, you know, this, if there's a successor under the will, um, you know, that person get a, can get appointed. Um, but ultimately, you need to go through the probate process to be appointed. So a lot of people think, well, I'm, I'm named the executor, I have all the power. You will have all the power once you go through probate within the court system to get, you know, a decree saying that you are the executor.
0: Do you get cases where there is someone named in a will as the executor who didn't know about it? I got to think if I'm doing a will, the person that's the executor is going to know about it first. But I'm wondering if there's times when somebody says, oh, really? And then that's when the I don't want to do it thing comes into play.
1: I I don't have it too much, but I do have it sometimes when um, it's more common with, within families. Like, you know, a mom and dad pick, you know, a child, and the child did not know it was going to be them. Um, So, you know, I, I think our practices, you know, Pat and uh, Ayla up in the office kind of, you know, tell clients uh, and even take if she doesn't too – kind of tell you know it's a it's a very difficult conversation to have but you know I think it's important like look I, I have a well I did name you as the executrix, or even say where the will is, because that's also important. Uh, it's having that difficult conversation and also stating the wishes of what you want to happen when you pass away.
0: This yeah. does this does intrigue me. I'm I'm wondering now that, all right, so there's someone that gets named as the executor or executrix mm-hmm. of the will, and they don't want it. So then what do you do? What, how, who's, who's the option two?
1: <laughs> so usually within the will, we always like to have a backup. You know that would be the successor. So we always like to because sometimes guess what, your um, your person who you named in the will, especially you know in a husband and wife situation, sometimes you know the wife or husband might might pass before you know before you. So um, you know that can that has happened. So there's usually um, you know a back. And then there's a backup. So if the first person who was named in the will doesn't want to serve, we basically file a declination with the court that this person does not want to serve and we want to appoint the backup. Now let's say the backup doesn't want to serve. Then at that point we basically petition the court and usually we ask if there's a family member who wants to be appointed and that has to go through a motion with the court because ultimately uh, everyone ha- needs the opportunity to you know, challenge it if they want to. Um, if no one challenges, the court appoints that person but if technically no one wants it, the court can uh, appoint an independent. Uh, executor.
0: Well, that kind of brings me to this. What happens if somebody's making a will and they don't feel comfortable with anybody mm-hmm. being named executor? Mm-hmm. Then what are the options?
1: Well, ultimately, you have to name someone. But a lot of the times, a lot of people actually name the attorneys. Um, you know, because uh, they kind of know their background. You know, the, especially the financial assets, because you need to know that when you do a will. Just it's 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 good practice for us to know, and you know, we can kind of stay neutral. Um, you know, you don't have, you know, the family dynamic. So, uh, you know, definitely attorney proves a lot of, you know, executors on a lot of estates because you know through the years it's just it just makes more sense. Yeah.
0: So, what property now will pass through probate?
1: So, like I said, the the stuff that passes through probate is solely owned. Assets um, and what I mean by assets are bank accounts, uh, your house, uh, cars, anything that is could be you know tangible the, that can you know be sold to be you know ultimately pass or you can sell it to you know have a liquid asset. My
0: baseball card collection.
1: If it has value, absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, a lot of people, a lot of it's, you, you laugh, but a lot of people, you know, they have you know, mom and dad pass and they have a house full of stuff and they want to have an estate sale. I'm not saying you can't have that, but a lot of the times, a lot of that stuff is really not, it's not going to make that much money. The money that you're going to make for it, you're going to basically pay in, in having the estate sale. But definitely like antique, something that has a value, um, uh, it definitely can be, you know, passed through the will because if it's solely owned.
0: You indicated earlier, we might talk about this later on, and let me just go to this. What part of probate is good? What are some of the positive things about it?
1: Well, like I said, I, th- there is that step-up basis, okay? So I, I will use a different, be- a great example. Sometimes you might want to probate, um, you know, uh, a house that is in survivorship because when mom and dad bought it, they probably bought it in 1952 when they bought it for, let's say, $50,000. I'm just going to use that as an example. But the value of it now um, is 150. okay? So the person who's inheriting, you know, uh, sons, daughters, whatever, they have a hundred thousand dollar capital gains tax. Okay, that is a large percentage to be paying on a capital gains. So it's actually a lot better to probate the house. Okay, put it through probate, step up the basis, uh, the date of death value, which is, uh, let's say, the hundred and fifty, and you're only paying now tax on the, you know, estate tax, which is less than one percent so it's a lot better paying less than 1% on you know the 150 stepping up the basis than paying $100,000 capital gains tax which can be what 20 30% depending on your tax bracket so you kind of have to weigh out your options so uh, you know that's and that's that is actually a good thing in probate uh, of doing that
0: so when it comes to probating an estate what do you define as the inventory
1: Okay, so uh, quickly through the process, once you file an application with the Corps, you get appointed, and let's say, uh, uh, you know, an executor or administrator gets appointed. The will is admitted um, clearly. If no one challenges it, um, once you're appointed, you have two months within your appointment to uh, file an inventory. And an inventory lists solely owned assets. So that's all it lists is solely owned assets. So anything that is just in the decedent's name does not have beneficiaries and not does not have um, uh, pay a plumb on bond death does not have co-owners. So it could literally be just one thing. Um, then within um, once you file the inventory within six months of the decedent's death, we have to file a, a estate inheritance tax form. Um, ultimately, right now, the value is you don't have to pay an inheritance tax if anything's below three point six two million dollars, I believe the figure is now. Um, I think it's going to ultimately go up, but that what that does is generate a probate fee. Okay, uh, then there is a five-month period from when you are appointed of the return of claims. So that is five months where ultimately once, you know, the, the passed, it's is put, put in the paper, that hey, John Doe died, you have five months from today's date to put a claim against the estate. Um, and those are claims, you know, it could be unpaid medicals, it could be, you know, any anything that is the decedent has due and owing, okay? Um, so ultimately, you know, that process takes five months. Uh, and then we have to report report those claims on a uh, what's called the ROC, Return of Claims Form. Uh, then after that, once the Return of Claims Form has passed, the five months has passed, that's when we can start winding down the estate Clearly, every state's different. If there's a house involved, if that didn't get sold and ultimately people want to sell it, but that's when we do a final accounting. And the final accounting at that point literally shows the court what the first snapshot of uh, uh, of the estate, which is the inventory. And then it shows all the money in and out of the estate because clearly there might be expenses and things that you have to pay. You'll have to use some of the estate assets to pay for exactly attorney's fees, funerals, anything like that. Um, and then uh, the final accounting shows the final figure or the final assets that needs to be distributed. And we basically petition the court, okay, you know, this house goes now to this. This cash asset goes to these people. Uh, and then a the court uh, issues a decree, uh, and that pretty much wraps up the estate. That's That's a... That's a huge forest. There's a lot of things that go into it, <laughs> uh, but that, that's basically the
0: process. So that's when the estate then is officially closed.
1: Yes, yes. And
0: yes. what are the tax implications, and what do you have to do? Is it Do you have to get that tax report in for that tax reporting year?
1: Uh, not that year, but ultimately you have to do it within six months of the decedent's death. And the one thing is on the, uh, uh, which which is the form is the CT-706, uh, there's NT if it's non-taxable, because clearly, like I said, $3.62 million is the threshold. But on that tax form, we have to report solely owned assets, okay? But we also have to report any beneficiary um, designations. So if you have an IRA that has a beneficiary, yeah, it doesn't go through probate, but we still have to report it because that person's, you know, tax, uh, the Social Security is associated with that account. So you just want to clear everything up. Uh, you have to, uh, you know, uh, report any co-ownerships of bank accounts. So literally anything that the decedent had at his date of death, we have to report on the CT-706. Life insurance also goes on there, annuities. So a lot of things do go on the tax return. So even though the estate might be, let's say, worth $50,000, let's say, um, the CT-706 could have a large, larger figure of a uh, of million dollars.
0: Does the estate include things like... I got twenty-five dollar balance on my Easy Pass. There's a lot of things that we mm-hmm. keep money in yeah. limbo so yeah. that we can use it. Easy yeah. Pass is one example. Yeah. Where does that fit into the equation?
1: So depending, like let's say if you have a um, uh, a refund or reimbursement, because sometimes I have it with you know credit cards, you get points or so you have some money. Um, usually, when the administrator executor is appointed, you know we con- you know they might contact the credit card saying, hey, this person died stop using the credit card and usually those companies are really good at reimbursing if there are any so in something like that like an easy pass let's say you have you have a balance and a credit you know when the executor is appointed because that's ultimately when the executor can act when they're appointed uh, legally um, you know they would contact easy pass and basically close out the account and any reimbursement would go to the estate
0: And easy pass would say but send that uh, monitor back And that'll cost probably. So that's all part of your final accounting, right? You got the input from the balance, but you got to spend eight dollars to mail it back to absolutely. And And that's all the things
1: that we take into account. So the you know it 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 very much the court keeps an eye out exactly what is in the inventory, what the value is, and then we want to see all the money in and out. So it's pretty fair and accurate,
0: yeah. Last time we had you here, Evelina, we talked about uh, your your family traditions and uh, the the European roots and Poland and so forth, but I thought I'd take another direction on this. How many kids do you have now?
1: I have two.
0: Okay. Two so, little girls. So how do you do your lawyer stuff while you're raising two little girls? How do you balance work and family?
1: It's. I will have to say it's hard. I give a lot of families, moms, a lot of respect <laughs> now being a mom. So I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, which she's becoming quite independent, which is making it a lot more challenging to get out the door on time. Um, and I have a nine-month-old, and um, I love them to pieces. But um, I have to say, you know, it's it's really hard. Because, you know, I, I come in, you know, late in the morning, I'll have to say. Um, that's that's one of my downfalls. I do come in late because of just getting them, getting them to school. You know, daycare is for me, is I live in Rhode Island. So I go opposite to take them to school. And then I have to drive all the way back to go to work, which takes me 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so that right there is a big chunk of time in the morning. Um you know, and I usually do end up staying late, you know, uh, here in the office. So you home
0: to put them to bed. Huh? Are you home to put the kids to bed? And that's
1: the thing. I get home. I cook dinner, you know. I feed them. Bath time, you know. Put them to bed, and then for them, you know, they get in bed, and then that's ultimately I have my night time to do everything that I need to do. So I don't get to bed sometimes till. You know, twelve one in the morning. Um, luckily enough, I have you know. Clearly, my husband helps, uh, but um, my parents are currently living with me in my in-law uh, apartment. and Free
0: babysitting.
1: Let me tell you, it's 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 it's, it's you know. Everyone says, "Will your parents live with you right now?" Me and my husband, we do not mind because just a great example that this past Friday, I was here till 7. You know, I got a notice in the mail that I had court on Monday. Last minute, I had to literally prepare, get everything ready. So I didn't get out of here till 7. Yeah, that's usually when we're starting bath, okay? <laughs> or, you know, finishing up dinner. So it was, you know, hey, mom, you know, I'm just leaving work. Can you please Feed my children.
0: <laughs> I know a lot of kids wind up following in their parents' footsteps. Do you think there's a chance that down the road the two girls might wind up being lawyers, or is that way too far down the road?
1: Uh, I think it's way too far down the road. But ultimately, you know, um, uh, you know, it's it's definitely. I have the days where I'm like, why did I pick this profession? But then there's days, <laughs> you know, I love. I think that's you know with anybody. But then there's I love it so. Uh, you know, if they wanted to, I, I, I wouldn't be upset, um, you know. It's, well, they got the
0: mentor right there in the house with them. They right, can, right. They you will know, learn yeah. a lot from you as well as whatever other legal education that they yeah. get.
1: Yeah, so um, so if they do, great. If they don't, you know, I'm clearly I'm going to support whatever they have.
0: That's a pretty good do. commute you have. Do you get a chance to do some thinking about legal cases on the drive or maybe listen to, you know, podcasts, things like that about That which... is
1: it's funny. That is that 45 minutes in, in, in into work and out of work is my only I would say downtime. <laughs> So that is when, exactly, I would, you know, sometimes it's just decompressing, listening to music. I do listen to a lot of podcasts um, at that point or books on audio because that's the only time I actually get anything in um, um, for for the most part. So that is just my, uh, you know, time because once I get home, it's mama, 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 you know. Even daddy's, even though daddy's right there, it's mama, 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 so, uh, and I'm not mad about it.
0: So, so apparently there's uncharted probate territory. What do you see coming up in two weeks on part two of our probate show?
1: I think I'll go into a little bit more detail of, because there's different kind of probates, there's different layers to it, and maybe go into a little bit more description of things that um, have to be done.
0: That'll be two weeks from today, probate part two on Legal brought to you by the Prue Law Group at 720 Main Street, Willimantic. Our guest this morning, Attorney Evelina Roskowski, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much. 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.